You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mobile Presence, your destination for everything mobile. I'm your host, as always, Peggy Ann Saltz, mobile analyst, tech consultant, senior Forbes writer, and founder of Mobile Groove. And my guest today is Philip Jackson, Chief Commerce Officer at RightPoint. And RightPoint is the company behind the research. And as COO, maybe we just kick off with a few questions here, Philip. First of all, understanding um, what you do, because your other job, interestingly enough, is to have a great podcast, which you have as well. That's true. Well, thank you so much, Peggy, uh, for having me on the show. And uh, thank you so much uh, to the listeners for giving us your attention. Yeah, I I actually host a number of podcasts myself, one of which is called Future Commerce, where we say it's it's media for those in retail and e-commerce that are risk takers because the future isn't built by people that are safe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to take risks and we have to stretch ourselves. Uh, so we like to think about what the future might look like uh, and how we, if you know, if commerce touches everybody and and uh, commerce is going to be a vital part of the future, uh, well, that means that we all have uh, a part in shaping that future. And uh, mm-hmm. so I've been doing that for six years with my co-host, Brian, and uh, it's it's grown into uh, a nice little community. And it allows us to have the sort of forward thinking uh, type of, you know, thinking cap on that you need, if you will, uh, to write reports like this and, and conduct mm-hmm. the kind of B2B and consumer research that's required to be able to have this kind of point of view. That is very cool. So you are shaping commerce. I'm excited because I love it when I have movers and shakers, now shapers, on the show. Um, right Point is described as a global experience leader. So it's much more than a digital agency. What actually does Right Point do? Let's just be clear about that. Yeah, uh, well, I think in some ways you could probably, uh, these terms come with a lot of baggage, right? So agency mm-hmm. sort of gets a bad rap. Sometimes consultancy gets a bad rap. Uh, I, I think when you're looking to partner uh, with a company that can help you shape what the, the future of your business is, you sort of need a little bit of both. Uh, you need the strategist hat and then you need the execution side as well. Uh, and so we can do both. Um, we do that mm-hmm. for some of the most recognizable brands uh, in the world. If you're building the, the next iteration of your commerce experience, we believe that uh, all companies are experienced companies today or will have to transform to become one tomorrow. Uh, we certainly mm-hmm. see that playing out in retail and direct to consumer now. Uh, more 
more and more companies these days, even B2B SaaS companies are launching in-house media brand efforts. Uh, so to become more experiential is going to be the way that you actually uh, connect with a customer. And in a world where you can click three times and launch an e-commerce website, you know, the, the barrier to entry is quite low. The way that you differentiate yourself is by experience. And, uh, and so we help companies of all sizes do that. Uh, and we're very proud of the work that we do at RightPoint. And you're on the mark because we are hearing now about experiential commerce, mm -hmm. conversational commerce, all types of commerce, because it's all coming together there. It's all coming together there probably because of the pivotal role of mobile. And you've looked at that in your report, looking at, you know, what does Gen Z, because that's the audience now, you know, they're not just the consumers, they're the buyers, they're the business buyers. Now, in your report, you start off by talking about consumerization of B2B. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, this piece of research that we're talking mm -hmm. about today is uh, titled Consumerization of B2B. Uh, and I love myself some subtitles. I don't know if you do, Peggy, but uh, translating consumer mobile behavior into B2B opportunities. And, uh, and that really is... Uh, where I think that there's, uh, you know, we, we're always in the business of trying to spot the arbitrage opportunities, right? Where are the areas that we can uh, have an unfair advantage uh, to, to, you know, have leveraged growth? And leveraged growth sometimes comes with developing new markets and channels and creating, uh, you know, these new channels to, uh, you know, speak directly to a type of consumer uh, that is looking for a, you know, either a new modality for purchase or something that's more, uh, that allows them to get their job done quicker or in a, uh, you know, in a, I would say in a context that's closer to shopping in a way that they're already trained to shop. And what we've, what we've had happen over the last 15 years of digital transformation efforts, and if you're listening to the audio version, I'm using air quotes with my fingers, the digital transformation best practice world would have you know, said that you have these you know, far-flung uh, investments that are you know, uh, really not built for anyone, but built to maximize the amount of utility to get you in and out of the app as quick as possible. So B2B purchasing is, is sort of all-encompassing. It's not very experiential. It's meant to be a utility. It's a tool that you employ uh, to communicate a desire. And now what we see is, uh, is, is a little bit of a shift in that desire. Uh, and uh, I could give you a little bit of the background about what spurred us to write this report. Uh, but yeah. what we're predicting really is that uh, B2B purchasing in 10 years time will be much more, will look a lot more like consumer uh, uh, mobile apps look like today. And if we can, if we know that that's where it's going, we can sort of build that out uh, based on what we see today and how Gen Z is interacting with mobile apps today. I would like to touch upon the idea behind the report because it reminds me of all the thinking that, you know, when people say, well, business professionals do this or business buyers do that. I mean, at the heart of it, they're people too. And, and you've shown those parallels really strongly in this report. But what inspired you to look into it and underpin that with data? Yeah. Well, uh, it, let's, let's step back for a second because I think B2B means something different to everybody depending on your context, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, when, you know, when I worked in uh, a small e-commerce startup and we had a B2B purchasing, uh, uh, 
you know, backend. Uh, it was like a, a curated e-commerce uh, portal. It was for, you know, f just for four companies to come in and place POs and uh, those things to go out via EDI, uh, which is, you know, sort of, you know, we were a consumer focused company in the, in the wellness space. Um, so B2B meant one thing to us, which was like a very small pool of customers that wanted to be able to self-service. Uh, for, for an enterprise, that could be something completely different. Uh, so I think just putting a finer point on it today, uh, when, when I say B2B, I, I believe that there, in this report in particular, uh, I think that there is a type of business buyer that is often overlooked, right? You have the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the large investments in digital transformation uh, that the big, you know, chocolate and water companies of the world have been building now for 10, 15 years that allow, you know, uh, a, a plenitude of customers all over the globe to be able to automate their purchasing or to put uh, to to shift to digital their purchasing so that it frees up a resource uh, on the account management side. It is very much a, you know, it's often a lift and shift kind of an investment that allows, uh, you know, you to scale down the workforce that has to manually touch every account every month uh, to to, you know, fulfill on uh, a purchase order to, to, to fulfill on some sort of like inventory uh, forecast. So that being said, who who's serving the smaller businesses, right? And th and this is the mm -hmm. the question that we're that we're constantly being asked uh, by these you know the longer tail of uh, mid market uh, and those uh, you know verging on enterprise is uh, who is serving the convenience store owner uh, who's trying to restock their shelves? Who's serving uh, the uh, the small you know restaurant chain uh, or regional gas station, right? Who's serving? Uh, you know, basically the small business buyer, the small business buyer is kind of in the messy middle, I would say. And that small business buyer uh, could be an owner operator, but it could also be someone who is a, uh, you know, who is in the role of purchasing. They're, you know, a, a manager on duty. Uh, they're busy in the work. Right. And so purchasing, purchasing isn't their only job, which, you know, mm -hmm. traditional like B2B portals and manufacturing in particular are these very complex, you know, pieces of software that you have to have training and enablement around and onboarding. Right. And um, and so uh, how how does that person who, you know, is uh, typically serviced by someone on a physical route? Think about your uh, salon owner. Think about, you know, someone who's running, uh, you know, a small trade uh, industry trade store. How is that person serviced? Well, they're they're entirely dependent, usually, on a physical workforce that's coming in on their own schedule, uh, or they're encumbered by having to place these orders either via the phone, uh, or or still, believe it or not, you know, having to manually fill out uh, purchase orders and and uh, fax them in. This is actually still how business can be done, and and so yeah, this small yeah, it. can you believe it, right? Yeah, um, or at least in a snapshot of an you know uh, with your camera and then emailing it to your contact there. Um, and so what what we have seen um, in in uh, RFP after RFP and our own client work in particular with the likes of um, ABN Bev or Anheuser Busch um, or or some RFPs from some notable uh, you know soft drink and bottler uh, type organizations that are global organizations. Uh, what we're seeing is the future of 
B2B is really servicing that uh, overlooked uh, mid-market, um, you know, buyer that's in the work, busy on their feet, doing doing the job, but also having to fulfill uh, on on replenishing inventory. Um, and so this could be seen as, you know, almost disintermediation of a distributor uh, that, you know, could be uh, filling this gap, but has been a laggard for digital transformation on its own. And this, you know, one person might be able to say that this is just the next phase of direct to consumer, but your consumer isn't necessarily the, con the, the end the product end user. Right. Yeah. It's the it's the business owner who's probably been catapulted into digital through the pandemic and global events. I mean, have you seen that? So when you're talking about serving the messy middle, you know, the mid-sized business that that's been maybe a bit more difficult before, but probably all the more critical now. So that there are opportunities that are coming together, businesses are digital and you're telling them about the parallels to uh, mobile and to digital channels, that that's all coming together? Well, I so I'm going to bring, uh, I like to be self-referential, Peggy, so <laughs> you'll have to suffer me for just a moment. We wrote a report in uh, early 2021, uh, back in January, uh, called The New Essentials. And mm -hmm. uh, and we we explored the you know all the meanings of essential coming out of a you know of, of a pandemic certainly you know the effects of which still linger today, um, yeah. but but you know, when you think about what essential workers went through during the pandemic you know you had um, you had these uh, these sort of high stress jobs uh, that were lightly staffed uh, with. Uh, lots of barriers between yourself and a customer. I often remark that the first time I went to the grocery store, you know, after the pandemic had begun and lockdowns were in place, you know, I went to the grocery store and I'm trying to talk to a cashier. I have a mask on. She had a mask on. Mm -hmm. There was a, you know, big thick plate of plexiglass between us and neither of us can really see each other or talk to each other. All those barriers and those layers between us already existed in the digital space for a decade before the pandemic ever happened. That sort of obfuscation between you and your customer has existed in ones and zeros for for eternity, right? So, so this I, we we are actually quite used to uh, uh, having this distance between the customer uh, in digital. Uh, we only just saw it physically manifest, you know, during um, you know during during COVID. So, um, when I'm thinking about the uh, what what is essential and essential workers, right? These are people who uh, still have the effects of that sort of era now imposed on them in a new in a new world, uh, and they're you know they're they're still understaffed. I don't you know check the news, uh, they're still mm -hmm. understaffed, um, and they're expected to continue to serve. Actually. Uh, uh, a whole world that's now coming out of hibernation, who's eager to get back into uh, the swing of life and maybe spend a little more and be out outside a little more, uh, but they're having to do a lot more with a lot less. Um, think about the 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 workforce that you know. Another thing that we work uh, very closely on at Right Point is something not just called customer experience, but employee experience. Uh, we believe that a key point of retention for frontline workers is how is how easy and enjoyable is it for them to do their jobs right mm -hmm. frontline retail workers uh are are you know uh, uh you know often uh you know sort of have to bear the brunt of a lot of frustration on the customer side the last thing they should have to deal with is frustration in the everyday performing of their daily you know job duties and tasks and it shouldn't take you know 15 steps just to see if something's in stock um and you know the, the customer demands by the way uh in the digital world you know uh, 
every e-commerce company I've worked for in the past five years, or every retailer who's uh, you know has e-commerce aspirations, they they need to get a package to the door within two days. Well, why? Because the customer demands it because that's the experience that they have with Amazon. It's not because you set that expectation with your customer. It's because your customer has had a great experience elsewhere. Believe it or not. Uh, the the DoorDashes and the Grubhubs and the Ubers of the world have also created that same sort of level of expectation that every single restaurant and every single convenience store and every single uh, you know a big box retailer also has to be able to fulfill on its package delivery, right? It's uh, it's uh, pickup at the curb, and you know you have a retail frontline uh, who's excused uh, to be a much younger kind of a, a person who's uh, having to deal with all of these types of modalities of purchase and request. And, uh, and they're living on their phone in a mobile app to do it. Um, and so when we talk about the consumerization of B2B, it's all of these factors that come into, into play that we start asking ourselves, where does this lead us? How do, we, uh, how do we build for the future? And what are the kinds of things we're building for today that kind of hint at where we're going? And that's what I like about your research, because we have some ideas of those signposts, really exciting, for example, gamified commerce, the importance of that, social media. We do have to go to break right now, Philip, but I think it's a great time to do this because it's a little bit of a cliffhanger because when we come back, we're going to deep dive into that research and also some takeaways for our audience because marketing to business buyers, that needs to be an experience as it has been for consumers as well. So listeners, don't go away. We'll be right back after the break. Mobile Presence, sponsored by CleverTap, a leading engagement and retention platform, will be back after this message. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Kern because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. And we are back to mobile presence. And my guest today, Philip Jackson, Chief Commerce Officer at RightPoint. And Philip, before the break, we were deep diving into like why focus on B2B? What is it? How is it defined? How it's changed and transformed also through the pandemic? You know, small business is different. Digitization, you know, the digital, the what people are calling mobile forced instead of mobile first. It's very different. There's a forcing mm. factor. We need to be digital first. And your research shows that. So you've looked at this and you've shown the parallels between consumers and business buyers. You know, Gen Z, they love the experience. They love to multitask. 
they want to have a commerce experience. Interestingly enough, gamified commerce is really important. So I, I would imagine that because I mean, gamified is everything. Gen Z is on games. It's the biggest app category. It's what we do with our time. What did you find out about how you bring gamified commerce together um, to build a relationship with a purchaser? Sure. Uh, well, the when you think about gamification, you know, there's certainly this, uh, uh, the first thing that you would need to do to be able to fulfill on any sort of gamification effort would be to have a strategy and an end goal in mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the word gamification sort of came out of the social media era where it was really trying to enhance stickiness. What is the next thing that we want someone to do? Uh, I, it's funny because we've been trying to preach that in CX strategy for the longest time. You know, customer experience is really just yeah. understanding what the next step you want your customer to do is. Uh, I, there's so many quick wins here, uh, but you know, really uh, in our survey, uh, you know, we, we really just asked, where are, where are you spending time right now amongst all of the major shopping apps? And uh, it, you know, in, you know, in particular, the thing that stuck out to us uh, was that 46% of respondents uh, felt that being awarded personally uh, aside from just the business receiving uh, rewards at the end of the day, but also having a personal reward and a personal stake uh, offers, uh, gives them the opportunity to to have uh, a better experience, makes them feel like they're more part uh, of the purchasing experience, especially when they're working with a consumer brand. Uh, again, mm -hmm. think about the, you know, a bottler or a distributor uh, in the, in sort of like the soft drink or in, in the uh, CPG space. Um, there's certainly ways that you could be uh, rewarding that, you know, that business buyer as well. Uh, so, uh, so, so, like, so give me a, an example, Philip, I'm trying to think, you know, like points, leaderboards, gamification was always like from the gaming industry. What does that actually look like? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in particular, you, you've actually hinted on a couple of the, uh, the user experience or the UX outcomes, uh, for mm -hmm. sure. Uh, there's, there's, you know, all kinds of ways that you can do this. You can do uh, time-based offers. Um, you can, uh, uh, you know, remind them of uh, certain uh, purchasing thresholds that might lead to the next tier of discount. Uh, you can show a leaderboard that would show uh, where they rank uh, amongst others in their space. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C O R I E N T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Um, you can show, uh, you know, how much inventory is left uh, and and allow them to make an offer, right? This creates like sort of an uh, an in-game type experience where you're you're trying okay. to get the best deal for the price. Um, highlighting and and maybe even celebrating people who get the best deals uh and and consistently pop up to the top of the best deals in in uh, as a purchaser so not just by volume but maybe as uh, value uh, uh realized these are all ways to you know highlight and spotlight even people in you know in their roles that could lead to a genuine sense of community like you're behaving with other people in a certain way to try to achieve a certain outcome um, and, and this leads, you know, to, I think more, you know, I, I, we would have called it at some point in the, in, in the past, like stickier, uh, experiences, but, you know, uh, I would say, you know, happier purchaser at the end of the day, which means they're more likely to use, uh, you than you know, if, if you're trying to grow share of wallet, there's a lot of places where they could go to try to, uh, you know, engage in this kind of a replenishing rela relationship, especially in, in the, uh, in the intended uh, field, especially in retail. That is very cool. I mean, I know about be easy to do business with, and now this is be fun to do business with. Mm -hmm. Encourage me, uh, encourage me, give me goals, um, some recognition, as you said, maybe being the buyer that uh, increases value for maybe their company or even for their customer. And you talked about that sense of belonging to a community. And that's another point in your research because it's about the impact of social media, which is everywhere. So it makes sense that B2B app engagement has to be impacted at some level by that. What are you seeing in your data? What is the, well, let's just say, what is the connection between social media conventions and the outcomes for business buyers? Well, that I, it's such a great uh, point. And I, you know, I could take up the entire hour probably just talking about <laughs> that. We could just do that. a show about that because uh, that was really interesting, but go ahead. It really could be. So when you talk about social media conventions, uh, I, you know, I would put a finer point on it. I would say in particular, um, there's sort of the endless scrollability of the way that you might engage in, in social media today. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, 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 you know, I'm at the midlife crisis uh, for in, in my life. I'm like, I'm on TikTok because I am desperately trying to, you know, pretend like I'm still young. Uh, Instagram would have probably been uh, the 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 medium uh, that might come to mind for an instant or for a, an endless scroll sort of ability. But yeah. those those in consumer experiences, even in social media, are actually starting to reinform the way that we imagine all all of UX. Mm -hmm. So if you think about the way that uh, uh, the Nike app works in particular, or the Adidas app works in particular, uh, they are intermingling uh, user-generated content along with shopability uh, in what feels a lot more like Instagram and a lot less like a Shopify site. Mm. Um, this the the paradigm, believe it or not, um, the the paradigm for slice and dice e-commerce uh, goes all the way back to uh, old enterprise software like Indeca, which created the what I would call the lingua franca of e-commerce and the way that we shop online today. Uh, has has really sort of been uh, quanted to death, and a lot of folks, uh, especially uh, those have that you know were early adopters of e-commerce, have these large, expansive catalogs. But most brands don't have thousands and thousands of SKUs anymore, um, and so why not prioritize that into a more tactile, you know, more sort of a socially native format, especially in Gen Z. They want to live in the app. They want to open the app. They want to scroll up and up and back and forth 
And all of these points of engagement data can lead to analytics investments that allow you to find out like what you, you can be ruthlessly sort of optimizing and A-B testing still what, what product photography is sticky? What causes someone mm -hmm. to scroll back? Um, you know, what are these kinds of sort of nuanced ways that people are engaging in, in finding uh, uh, interesting copy, uh, interesting posts that are being syndicated from uh, other users in, in a way that communicates the value of the brand, but also makes it, uh, you know, fun and exciting and, you know, brings you back and, and gets your thumb engaged. Um, if you want to go into the long tail, there's other things too. There's, you know, AR uh, and VR uh, type of uh, uh, engagements in particular, one that we had built uh, for a beverage distributor, uh, you know, kind of linked in with that insight number one, which was uh, using AR and using uh, the um, gamification, it was we could offer, uh, you know, uh, bars and restaurants a, a discount uh, if they would display physical out-of-home signage in, in their place of business. And the way that you verified that they did that, well, they take a picture. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and yeah. you can actually help to, to, to shape, you know, how your brand is being positioned inside of those uh, small business establishments uh, with these sorts of digital investments. An interesting finding that you found is also the post-purchase journey is important in social media. What is that? Is that like inspiring a restaurant owner to say, hey, I'm really excited. I'm working with this brand and here's, you know, here's the results. I mean, what does the post-purchase journey look like? Because we think about social media and it's all about impact. It seems to be fairly top funnel, you know, mm. um, in the sense of, uh, you don't think about it as something that is part of life cycle marketing in an app, but you've proven that it is. Well, we'll come back to this point because I think it's it's really important to understand how the research was conducted. Uh, mm -hmm. But we we actually segment out uh, in this study folks who identify themselves as buyers or in a buyer role in their business. Uh, mm -hmm. And we looked at how they answered survey data versus those who say that they are not buyers in their in their business. And so the way that they approach uh, solving certain tasks actually kind of stands out to us. Um, you know, I uh, just to come back to the previous point, and it'll be in service of answering your actual question. Uh, when we ask a business buyer uh, if you know something is interesting in a in an app context, for instance, uh, the ability to join a community of people with similar shopping habits, sixty nine percent of people say that uh, those business buyers say that that is interesting. When you contrast that with a non business buyer. Uh, at 36%, you see a statistically significant difference between a business buyer prizing a certain kind of interaction versus a non-business buyer. And that means that the way that they they, they likely, uh, now I don't know how your screen time report is on your phone, it's probably scary as like mine is because we're all a little bit too digitally saturated these days. But these people depend on, on uh, uh, digital products uh, to get their job done every day. Uh, and I think that yeah, this this is teased out in the data. You know, the other in that ARVR point I mentioned before, uh, a business buyer is also almost two times as, as amenable to using that sort of a feature than a non-business buyer who might see it as a gimmick. Uh, but coming back to the post-purchase journey, post-purchase journey just really has to be clearly uh, placed on 
creating value for uh, that that purchaser. Uh, and so I think you know for certain the one of those things that uh, is service experience really bubbles up to the top. You know, reaching customer service in an efficient way uh, and having a direct line of communication to them in a way that doesn't require you to have to go you know ice fishing to find how how to uh, uh, get information uh, on on the status of an order. In, in, in particular, something we call Wismo, which is where is my order. Uh, accounts for about 60% of all uh, app interactions and post-purchase. So most folks right. just want an update uh, on that. Some of that can provi be provided in self-service. Some of that can be yeah. provided in context over, you know, especially in, in the case of say a split shipment or, or uh, you know, a, an item that might not be in stock that might have to be fulfilled from another uh, distribution center. You know, these are all areas that result in uh, customer service touch points. And those are, you know, I as highly prized as probably anything else that you may want to do post-purchase. Uh, but you can actually convince your customers to do something that's actually going to help uplift the brand. Uh, in particular, you know, what we all probably see these days is a, a prompt uh, from consumer brands to post a written review. You know, a lot of times that's used in the pre-purchase uh, decision-making part of the journey when you're top of funnel uh, to help convince a new buyer that it's worth purchasing. However, uh, what we find is that bottom of funnel, uh, reinforcing those pieces of UGC or user-generated content and written reviews can also help to uh, encourage repeat purchase uh, yeah. to remind you why you're purchasing. In fact, uh, this is, is not represented in the reports. It's, it's anecdotal here, uh, but what we have found is that uh, there's there's uh, two really interesting uh, uh, techniques that I think are under leveraged. Number one is if a customer has written a previous review, to re to redisplay their prior review back to them in their own purchase journey, um, and that is uh, it it makes them feel like they're a little bit of a star. Number one, uh, and and that it's exciting. It also reminds them of their prior good experience. Uh, and so that that is under leveraged, I think. Um, and certainly when when you're talking about the audience we are, which is you know the young the younger generation, uh, a Gen Z purchaser, uh, who will grow into a a more mature purchasing role at some point in the future. Uh, this will help us sort of re-engender those great feelings uh, that are, you know are post-purchase, but then they reinform the next purchase. The other one is. Uh, at least for the direct-to-consumer brands that we have worked with that are making a, a quick foray or a quick turn into omni-channel uh, because direct-to-consumer is, you know, is... Uh, uh, you know, yeah. a bit of a misnomer these days. Um, uh, Omnichannel is how you create a, a sustainable direct-to-consumer business. Uh, what we found is that, you know, uh, replacing, um, uh, having your customers be able to identify what your brand values are post-purchase uh, and realign those back to the why of what they purchased helps to also encourage repeat purchase. Um, and so, you know, what we've seen is in, in a B2B purchasing context, reinforcing some of those values, in particular, if you're doing carbon, uh, uh, accounting and you understand how, how much carbon offset that is required to be able to uh, facilitate the purchase. If you have a carbon uh, reduction program, re reiterating a bunch of those types of trust builders uh, after the purchase helps to continue to drive loyalty even for B2B and B2B purchasers. So another interesting finding in your research, Philip, is to understand that although we think it's a very different environment, different, different privacy landscape, 80% of your respondents in this study are comfortable with the value exchange of personal data, provided they get some value in exchange. So tell me about 
how marketers, how people making these apps can connect the dots between data, personalization, and value? What does this tell them to do? Well, there's uh, the, the short answer is that you have already cleared a bit of a trust hurdle if someone has downloaded an app, as opposed to the anonymous experience of browsing on the web. Uh, also, I'm, you know, Peggy, I'm not sure if you've been on a website lately, but, you know, we are sort of plagued as marketers uh, with having to understand who our customers are the moment that they arrive. Uh, so, you know, we have GDPR notices, you know, some of us have shipping delay notices, some of us have, you know, COVID impact notices. Uh, then you have the 10% offer when you, when you sign up. Yeah. Onboarding is is its own, you know, uh, it's its own beast. Uh, yeah. Web Except purchasing. all the cookies and just, it I'm, is. Just like, I'm just like, get me to what I want. I'll sign anything at that point, you know. At that point, who knows, yeah. Who knows what I've done with my data? <laughs> and that's the that's the challenge, right, is that the it's not even, you know, it, when you're first becoming initiated with the brand, having to, con, you know, clear so many hurdles, uh, it can be really daunting as a consumer. Uh, by, by virtue of installing an app, you have already uh, at least signaled one sign of trust that you're willing to give uh, some space on a device that, has, uh, that carries personal information on it. Um, beyond that, you know, some of those trust hurdles can also be completed and, and enabled by uh, some recent uh, uh, innovations, at least on the Apple side. We have uh, app uh, tracking transparency that allows people to mm. opt into uh, certain types of engagement. Uh, you can also, uh, you know, kind of continue to work anonymously uh, in the in the short term by having an iCloud address that you know is anonymized uh, that you know uh, uh, allows you to you know keep a little bit of personal information at least in the form of your email address away from uh, the business uh, on the other side of the app. Um, but what we found is that it, once you know once a consumer has installed an app. Uh, signing up and registering uh, upon installing is a known user pattern that is an accepted user experience pattern that most people who uh, install apps uh, will uh, submit to. Uh, and so knowing who your customer is in an app environment actually, uh, you know, tends to favor and self-select uh, those who are willing to give up a little more information. Um, and it does, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that case, they say, uh, we're trading off a little bit in the way of privacy for an enhanced experience, which is what you would get with the native mobile app. And they're willing to do it. That's the really big news here. I mean, 80% are saying, yeah, you got it. Give me recommendations, give me some benefit, give me some features, and I will shop on your app and I will be here and I'll be part of your audience and opt in. What about the no-goes? Just a quick look at that, because you talk about all the great things I can build into the experience. And this is something not just for B2B marketers, this is for all marketers. This tells me about the gamification, the value exchange, um, a number of points around social media I need to take care of. What can't I do? Did your research shed any light on that? Yeah, we have actually uh, at the end of the report in, in appendix is actually an mm -hmm. ordinal list of the things that uh, customers say uh, that they engage in either personally or professionally in a, uh, you know, in a repeated fashion. Um, it, it actually turns out some of the truisms that we like to espouse, especially in, in consumer, uh, aren't maybe as true as we thought they were. In particular, some of the things that rank quite low 
uh, are, you know, sharing product videos uh, or, uh, you know, inviting a friend to use the service uh, in exchange for some sort of a reward, um, participating in some sort of a broader community. These are all things that a customer doesn't really uh, identify with as necessarily being all that valuable to them. Um, mm -hmm. However, uh, as we talked about gamification before, it's not that they won't ever participate in this. In, in many cases, just asking them in isolation, are these valuable to you? Uh, they don't see the value uh, at, at, at the outset. And that's where I think it's up to the job of the marketer, uh, especially mm -hmm. the B2B marketer, to uh, understand how you can make that mutually beneficial both for the brand and for the consumer. Great points here, Philip. I mean, I'm sure that our audience, they would love to continue the conversation. What's the best place to do it? What's the best way to stay in touch? Yeah. Uh, well, the first place I'd tell you to go is go to rightpoint.com slash solutions. Uh, and uh, we'd love we'd love to have a conversation with you. Uh, I, I would love uh, to connect, you know, directly with your audience, too. And uh, I'm Philip Jackson over on LinkedIn and uh, and uh, very active over there and uh, always willing to have a healthy debate about what is valuable and what is not valuable these days in commerce, because I think it can be incredibly subjective. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think everybody has a, a little bit of a unique experience and, um, you know, these days in particular, uh, because there are so many ways to engage in commerce, I, th I think, uh, it takes, uh, more of this type of insight and more of these types of hands-on experiences and, and the type of research we're doing, uh, to get a little bit of a clearer picture about the future. Absolutely. And as you said, shape it because this is at the center of everything. Mobile is my go-to device for my daily life, for my shopping, for more. And if I'm Gen Z, then I'm mobile focused. I'm mobile first. And it makes sense that it all comes together. And research like yours, that sheds a lot of valuable light on this. I want to thank you for sharing, Philip. Thank you for being here and, uh, and for bringing such great kit, by the way, as a fellow podcaster. Uh, awesome to have you here on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it, Peggy. And of course, if you want to keep up with me throughout the week, find out more about how you can be a guest or sponsor on Mobile Presence, then you can email me, Peggy. Peggy at mobilegroove.com is where you can find my portfolio of content marketing and app marketing services. You can check out this earlier episode, this and all earlier episodes, rather, of our show by going to WMR.FM, or you can find our shows on Amazon, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio simply by searching Mobile Presence. And you can check out the new video playlist on YouTube starting with this show, where you will find Mobile Presence powered by the groove, which will be your weekly dose, I would hope, of mobile insights and goodness. So until next time, remember, every minute is mobile, so make every minute count. Keep well, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.